Black Bottom Saints with Alice Randall. I'm your host, Alice Randall. Each episode of this podcast will explore the life of a particular saint in the novel Black Bottom Saints, the rich history of Detroit's Black Bottom neighborhood, what the Detroit past has to tell us about the global future, and end with a cocktail recipe. This podcast is for people who have and have not read Black Bottom Saints. Each episode will be talking about the play between history and fiction and how one informs the other. I hope a stop here is a little like meeting up with a talkative stranger in the lobby of Detroit's fabled Gotham Hotel. This week, I want to introduce you to George Stanley, a saint based on my father, George Randall. We hear a lot about toxic masculinity. The George Randall chapter of Black Bottom Saints is an invitation to talk about healthy masculinity, generative, vibrant masculinity, Yang, the son. My father called his father son, S-U-N, like sun up in the sky, and he called his mother dear. In our family, when I was small, Deer and son were the equivalent of yin and yang, two divergent, balancing, equal forces. Feminine energy was the deer part and masculine energy was the sun part. The George Stanley character in Black Bottom Saints is inspired by a real person, George Stanley Randall, but he doesn't share that name. George Stanley Randall was my father. The country singer Pam Tillis met him in the 80s and proclaimed him just after one meeting, a quote unquote, genius of love. The character George Stanley inherited the real man, George Randall's parental love genius. For both Georges, the secret part of being a great father, a great Black father, was he was son and dear. He was yang and yin. He was father and mother. And by that, I mean he was both fierce and tender. He was fiercely protective and tenderly engaged. The chapter starts with two short stories. The first tells how George Stanley inherited fierceness. The second tells how George Stanley practiced fierceness. Here's the inheriting fierceness story. Everybody in Detroit was afraid of George Stanley except Mari. George came by intimidation honestly. The patriarch, Will, once knocked down a man with a crowbar for cursing in front of his wife. The man never did that again. Now here's the practicing fierceness story. The story everybody tells about Mari and George is the time he took Mari over to Lafayette's house and let the eight-year-old scream at the self-anointed Snow King of Motown. Detroit's biggest cocaine dealer wasn't a bluntly dangerous man, but he kept himself surrounded by armed and bluntly dangerous tall boys. Lafayette let Mari scream at him. That's all you need to know about George Stanley. And this... His child could ride across town in a taxi cab. Someone tried to call George out about that one night in the 20 grand. George lifted his hand and the table got silent. There's not a Negro or a peck of wood in the whole of Detroit City fool enough to change, touch my child. I would kill their children's children. I would kill their children. Then I would kill them. Even Newell Steele knows that. George had strange ideas about everything, including parenting. What I love about that story, and it's based on fact, is that George Stanley protected his daughter's voice. He protected Mari's voice. He made the world a safe place for her to speak her truth powerfully to anyone in any setting. There's been a lot of discussion about what has been labeled toxic masculinity. In honor of the man who inspired the George Stanley chapter in Black Bottom Saints, I wanna pose this question. Why don't we have a phrase? for the opposite of toxic masculinity. 
I've been trying to come up with one, but I haven't landed exactly on it. There's healthy masculinity, vibrant masculinity, generative masculinity. My favorite so far is sun-powered papas. One of the ways that my sun-powered papa was active in my life was he wrote me letters. After my parents divorced, I lived in Washington, D.C., and my father lived in Detroit. Daddy would often call and he would visit on occasion, but he consistently wrote letters and encouraged me to write. Today on this podcast, for the first time in my life, I am going to share one of those letters with you. This letter is dated 11-6-1969. It says Thursday. Actually, it spells T-H-U-R-S, 11-6-69. Dear Red Stuff, how are you? Still watching it? Take time out and write me. I'm going to have a girl, Percy's girlfriend call you next week. She's coming to Washington to march in the Stop the War Parade. She's a nurse and her name is May. Have you written Jean yet? Please do. She was home last weekend. She's been offered a $6,000 grant to go to law school at Yale University. That's in New Haven. So you might see her some weekends next year. She's your only sister, and I want you two to be close. She really likes you and says that you have quite a mind of your own, which I doubt very much. Smile. Just think in about nine more years, I'll have two daughters that have graduated from college. I expect you to finish when you are 19. Smile. You better have her, and he underlined that twice. Write me soon, but if you have to choose between Jean and me, write her. Because I told you before, I think that you'll find it interesting to correspond with her once you start. I love you very, very much, Daddy. A dear friend told me there are two kinds of fathers, stingy fathers and generous fathers. One of the ways that my father was generous to me was showering me with words, with relationship, with friends, with so many invitations to life. Another was the way he invented quiet, healthy rituals that belonged only to us that made me feel seen and treasured and connected. I gave one of the real George Randall's daddy and daughter rituals to the fictional George Stanley and Mari. And I'm gonna share it with you here. George would make Mari a hot chocolate using two vending machines, a coffee machine and a candy machine. First, he got a Hershey's bar out of the candy machine. Then he would move it to the coffee machine and put in a quarter and punch the buttons for a cup of hot chocolate, then the buttons for extra milk and sugar. Then he would put in another quarter and punch the buttons for plain black coffee. Next came her favorite part. He would pour just a little of his black coffee into her sweetened chocolate, then some of her chocolate into his coffee, back and forth, back and forth until both cups were perfect and different. Hers mainly chocolate draught, George's mainly coffee drink. Last but not least, George would break off one square of the Hershey bar and float it on top of her chocolate. He would break off the rest of the bar and drop it into his coffee. Then would come what they both described as the best part. They would each make a wish. After the wish, they would touch paper cups together, then gulp. If she was lucky, she would get a cocoa mustache and he would wipe off that mustache with the back of his hand. Only George could use a vending machine and the back of his hand to put extra tenderness in the world. Fierce and tender, making a space for his daughter in the world and a space for his daughter in his heart, in his mind, and in his habits. 
That was George Stanley and that was George Randall. Two accounts on Instagram that I love are The Dad Gang and Black Fathers Matter. Both of these accounts celebrate Black fathers. One of the false yet pervasive stereotypes about Black people is that Black fathers are absent and abusive when present, that Black fathers are bad fathers. NIH studies indicate that Black fathers are actually more likely to be intimately involved with their children, feeding them, changing them, bathing them, than any other demographic of father in America. Sean Williams is the founder of the Dad Gang. He's also the founder of the event, Strolling with the Homies, which plays on the word stroll that's used to describe a bonding performance of Black fraternities and stroller, the contraption that allows us to roll our children along with us when we walk. Both Georges would have appreciated strolling with the homies. As I said, a friend of mine, and that was my friend, Chelsea Crowell, told me there are two kinds of dads, stingy dads and generous dads. George was a generous dad. He was generous with his protection and with his tenderness. He was generous as son and generous as dear. He was yang and yin. He was my mother and my father. One of his audacious acts of generosity, getting sober. In real life, my father said he got sober because he was tired of lying. If he drank, he was going to have to lie. In the novel, George gets sober after realizing he has dragged his daughter through too many bars. Both Georges give up liquor while still appreciating it. Both advise their daughter to pace yourself, not to overindulge so that she can avoid having to give it up entirely. Libation for the feast day of George Stanley. The pace yourself. One jigger of orange juice. One jigger of imported ginger ale. Shake well with ice and strain into a cocktail glass. Savor that and think of great black fathers. Next week, we'll be talking about the inimitable Tallulah Bank. Until then, keep zagging with Ziggy and always remember, joy is radical. I am Alice Randall and this is the Black Bottom Saints podcast. And today we gave you a sober cocktail. This podcast was produced by Chelsea Crowell and Aaron McAnally. The theme from Black Bottom Saints was written and recorded by Lewis York. Nashville Women Blues was recorded by Reese Palmer and written by Bessie Smith. The novel Black Bottom Saints is published by Amistad, HarperCollins, and is available at your favorite bookstore and on Audible. Find out more at alicerandall.com.